Well, we're in this series titled Jesus Talks, and we are taking the words of Jesus, we're applying them to our current situation in our everyday lives, Uh, and before I get to the main text today, I just want to acknowledge that today is Palm Sunday, Uh, and we are just one week from Easter now, and it's weird, right? It's, it's weird knowing that Easter is coming. It's just a week away and that we're going to be having our Easter services digitally brought to your home, uh, that we're going to have our Good Friday service, which we do every year, uh, which is just a special time to remember the, the sacrifice and the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, we're going to have that as a special uh, online presentation to you on Friday night, uh, where we will also be having communion as a part of that as well. Uh, and so uh, just as you receive communion this morning, uh, you'll have the opportunity to receive communion with your family again on Friday night. So we'll have those services. Those will be presented online. And we thought it'd be kind of fun. Uh, It'd be interesting to see how many of you actually participate in this. But we thought it'd be kind of fun since typically the stereotype is that, or stereotypically, we dress up to come to Easter service. We always go out and buy a new outfit or put on our Sunday best or whatever for Easter. We thought it'd be fun if you dressed up in your Easter outfit uh, partially, like maybe half your Easter outfit, half your distancing attire that you've been wearing uh, while at home, and uh, kind of merge the two and see what kind of funny pictures that we could get out of it. Uh, we're even willing to put up a little bit of a, a prize for this. We're going to give you an HEB gift card uh, for, the, for the people that present the funniest picture in regard to that. So uh, just be fun to, to kind of play around. Uh, don't forget to hashtag it with uh, hashtag Lifehouse SA at home, uh, and then we'll announce the winner on Monday morning. Well, as I was thinking about the triumphal entry, uh, which is this Palm Sunday uh, picture, and Jesus entering into the city knowing that his death is pending, like he, he, he is going into his impending death. I was reminded of all of those who gathered to celebrate and to worship Jesus, and that within just a, a few days, out of a fear, really, they wanted nothing to do with him at all. And I, I say that not so much as an indictment of what is our current situation or what is currently taking place, But just as a warning saying that if we are not careful, we will find ourselves allowing fear or worry or anxiety to dictate dictate for us how we are to live, how we make decisions and, and what our view is of God. And so I want us to take a look at some familiar words of Jesus and see what he has to say about that in this particular season of our lives. I was reminded of this from a message that I heard that was given back in 2015 by uh, our now uh, president-elect of our denomination, Randy Remington. And I thought, man, I don't think he realized how prophetic that message was. And so uh, I wanted, as I was processing through what he was saying, I wanted to present this because I think it's perfect uh, for what we are going through today. The scripture that we are dealing with is 
uh, a scripture that is counter, it's a countercultural way in which God's people are to live in the, in the world that they were living in at that time. And interestingly, when, when these words are spoken to them, for them, it's the end of religion. It's the end of, of a religious, ritualistic approach to God. It's, it's not unlike what we find ourselves experiencing in this season. We don't have the opportunity to carry out our religious routines anymore. And instead, what we find ourselves doing is, is we are having to renegotiate what faith community looks like and how it's presented and the truth is, is that what Jesus is addressing here in this passage is, is a heart issue. A heart issue that manifests through how we are going to live outwardly. And so this is a, a challenging portion of Scripture that, uh, although very familiar to many of us, uh, I'm presenting it with some sort of hesitation, uh, really not wanting to come off at all uh, as naive, uh, I felt that uh, it would be appropriate for us to hear uh, in this season of not just our, our city or our state, but really our world. Uh, Jesus is talking about worry, and it seems pretty self-explanatory at first. So when Jesus talks about worry, there's, there's not a lot of us that are going to say, I wonder what he means by worry. I wonder, wonder what he's talking about there. No, we're all pretty well aware of what he's talking about. That there is this universal emotion that everyone has either experienced or, to be honest with you, are currently experiencing that in this season we have this desire and this preoccupation where we are trying to get certainty where we don't have it. And where we don't have certainty, we're trying to gain some sort of control over something. It's why we are glued to all of the news reports and the models and the predictions of what the future holds. And Jesus is going to speak in a very clear way to you and me, where we can live our lives as Christ followers without worry. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to be responsible. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have concerns or care about things that are going on in our world. But the truth of the matter is, is that you and I can live free from worry which again sounds a little naive, but it is indeed possible. Andy Stanley said that worrying is like, um, it's like praying in reverse, where praying tends to reduce our issues and make them smaller. Worrying makes our problems much bigger than they are. Worrying is trying to change things in our lives in which we cannot control. Prayer is actually accepting that there are things in our life that we cannot control. Prayer gives us the perspective we need to look through our worries to the assurance that God is with us every single step of the way. And God gives us the grace that we need to keep the things we worry about into some sort of perspective. Now, there's a broad range of people who uh, worry. 
Now, when it comes to worry, you find people at extremes. You have some people over here who uh, it seems like they never worry about anything. They're just flat, right? They, they, it doesn't seem like worry is even a problem for them. And then you've got the people over here on this extreme that are actually worrying about the people who aren't worrying. They have so much worry that's going on. They worry about every little thing. And so you've got these two ends of this spectrum and somewhere in the middle is probably where most of us land. I think because of the chaos in our world right now, uh, there's, there is definitely more to be worried about than ever before. And so we might find ourselves shifting more into that, that other camp, but we, somewhere in the middle is where most of us reside. And so Jesus, although speaking to a group of people on a mountainside, In this passage that I'm about to read, can I just suggest to you today that he is actually speaking to you in your home right now. In America, under normal circumstances, the the primary thing that people worry about is personal financial security and our national economic situation. This is absolutely intensified now by the uncertainty of both of those things. So interestingly, Jesus, in his teaching to this group of people up on a mountainside, connects our worry to our livelihood. It was the same struggle that they had then that we are dealing with now, and it starts in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can click on the Bible link and you can look up the passage of Scripture and follow along with us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. Starts off, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, the question here for us is, do you want stability or, un- or instability? Because what's going to happen is your emotion is going to follow your devotion. The, the thing that has your heart. Where am I putting my trust? And Jesus is taking this beneath that emotion. He's taking it to a place that you and I are devoted to. Whatever we are devoted to, we are going to worry about. I can prove this by just asking you a simple question. Uh, We're all homeschooling our children now. And my question for you is how many of you are lying awake at night worried about how your neighbor is homeschooling their kids during this time? You're not, right? Because you're not devoted to their children's education. You're devoted to getting your kids through this season without ruining their education, right? See, you're going to worry about the thing you're devoted to and you're not devoted to your neighbor's kids. Jesus goes on and he says, therefore, I tell you this, he says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These are pretty amazing words, and they're pretty straightforward, right? The words, these words have really kind of become a part of culture even, and literature, and they've gone beyond uh, the walls of the church, yet I think that in some ways we have missed the power and the truth that's behind them. When Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, don't worry about your life, what you are going to eat, and when you're going back to work, and when you're going, where you're going to live, I think it's so interesting that those same things that he's challenging these people on are the very things that we are concerned about right now. In the middle of a pandemic, these are the things that we worry about. During the time that Jesus is addressing this crowd, they always had this sense of uncertainty in their life. In fact, they devoted so much of their time thinking about the uncertainty and it's why Jesus was giving them that message then and why I believe Jesus is giving us this message today. He would say, I'm telling you, don't worry. Don't worry about your 401k. Don't worry about the vulnerability of your job. Don't worry about what you are going to eat Don't worry about where you're going to get toilet paper. And then he would say the same thing to us as he said to them. He he says, isn't your life more than that? Isn't life more than eating, more than having something to wear, more than your retirement? He isn't saying that those things aren't important. That's That's not his point here. But what he is saying is, I don't want you to worry about it. And again, that's it's really hard for us to hear because it sounds so irresponsible. It sounds like we aren't supposed to do anything, and that, but that's not really what he's saying here. He's just saying, you can face the uncertainty of tomorrow without worrying about it today. That it's actually possible. He's saying there is some things that you can do tomorrow when tomorrow comes. 
So you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He isn't saying don't have vision. He's not saying don't have foresight or forward thinking. But he is talking about facing the uncertainty of tomorrow with a freedom in our heart, with a a sense of peace, knowing that we can trust him. And then he stops and he, he uses this illustration in the scripture. And it's just such a very specific illustration. He says, let's, let's consider the birds of the air. Let's, let's think about birds for a second. Right? And we're probably thinking, how insensitive is this? That in the face of real concerns that those people had then and we have now, he's saying, let's talk about birds. Let's stop for a moment. And he says, you know what? Those birds, they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't build and store away in barns. They don't invest their money. They don't build up a 401k. No, they actually live on God's welfare plan. And then he says, are you not much more valuable than they? That you matter so much more to him so that you can face the uncertainty. Listen, though, we we aren't to live our lives, though, with some sort of fatalistic view that, hey, we're all going to die someday and we just kind of go through this life. No, it's, it's actually what he is addressing in this passage is a matter of trust. It's a matter of of who we know God to be. That that this is actually the antidote where he says to the disciples, and it's really kind of in the form of a question, O O you of little faith. Nowhere else in Scripture is this phrase used. And Jesus is saying that if he can do that for the birds and the flowers, Is it so hard to believe that God would care about your life like that? That when it comes to trusting in God, people who have a growing faith all of a sudden have lessening worries. That faith isn't just about believing things, it's actually about trusting in our Father God. The the problem Jesus is addressing is he's not saying, I don't want you to worry. What he's actually saying is, I want you to start trusting in me. And when that happens, you will stop worrying. Trusting in and having confidence in our creator and in our maker. And although circumstances may change, although our Circumstances and our conditions may get worse. We, the truth is, is that we may see mass amounts of death in our country in the coming weeks. We've already seen way too many people die from this virus. One thing that, we, that will not change in the midst of a changing world is the character and the power and the purpose and the love of the God that loves you, that you're putting your trust in, 
that he will be unchanging and he will be steadfast and faithful, that he is not going to all of a sudden in the midst of this chaos, pull the rug out from underneath you and say, no, I was just kidding. Our God is forever the same. And when we, when we worry, we're saying, honestly, we're just saying we don't trust God. We don't have the confidence in God and his ability to secure my future. But Jesus says in, in verse 31, he says the, the pagans, the, the people who don't have a relationship with God, that word pagan sounds so harsh to us, but it's, it's just really addressing people who, who don't have any sort of relationship with God. He said those people, they run after these things. They're, they're spinning and toiling and getting bent out of shape and they're, and they're trying to make things secure to the best of their ability. And Jesus is saying they are living as if they have no father in heaven. They're, they're living as though they are spiritual orphans. And when we talk about the, the spectrum of worry, right? When we're talking about like where people are at, they're probably in this, this place of extreme worry. You want to know why people are going crazy? They're acting like they're just acting crazy at H-E-B, at Costco. I saw a meme or, or some pictures the other day of people making their own masks out of like, I don't know, like out of wa big water jug thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious. I'm not saying we shouldn't protect and take care of our families. But the reason why they're going crazy is because they are living like spiritual orphans. The reason why people are hoarding toilet paper because they're lacking trust in their father to care for them. Now, if you're hoarding toilet paper, sorry if that offends you, but, but the reality is, is where is our trust? If you haven't been around Lifehouse in the past few weeks, you might not know that I was in a skiing accident. That's why I'm putting all my weight on one leg uh, that is bothering me. Uh, but it's this leg. I, I broke my, leg, my hip um, while I was skiing. I wasn't doing anything all that crazy. I'm a decent skier. I think I'm a decent skier. Maybe some other people would disagree with that. But I used to do way crazier things when I was younger, when I didn't have a family, when I was growing up in Oregon skiing and I had no kids, I would do all kinds of crazy things. I would do jumps and I would go down... <laughs> Oops, that's awesome. I would do jumps and I would do all kinds of, uh, of different runs and stuff that, that I just wouldn't do today. Uh, and I wouldn't do it today because I had kids. Kids change things. All of a sudden when you have kids, you begin to worry about how you're going to provide for your kids how you're going to put food on the table, how, that they're going to have a father to come home to. And interestingly, even when I was uh, laying on the side of a mountain, I wasn't really worried all that much about me as much as I was worried about my kids and my family. It wasn't like I was dying up there or anything, although I was in an enormous amount of pain. But the reality is, is I don't like to be... or. or if I'm being honest, I like to be in control. 
And in this case, I was not in control. And even today, our kids, yours and mine, they probably don't worry all that much about whether or not you're going to have food or paper towels. You know why that is? It's because you're taking care of it. Right? You're worrying about those things. They just get to climb up to the table, have dinner, rip off a bunch of paper towels. They're not even taking into consideration how valuable those things are right now. And so I would just say, kids, if, you're, if you happen to be still watching this, turn to your parents and say, thank you for taking care of us. <laughs> because that's what good moms and dads do. Parents, whatever it is that you're worried about today, I would just tell you that God knows. He knows. And the question that we should all be answering today is, how would we live our life if we actually were convinced of that? If we actually were convinced that God knows and cares and is going to take care of us, how would that change the way that we live our life? God sees the vulnerability of of the industry that you are working in, in your future employment. God knows. God knows that our finances might take a hit over the coming weeks and months. So if at the core we really believed and that we really trusted that he knew and cared, how would we live our life? He says, I want you to trust me and not worry about all of these other things. And instead, this is what I want you to do. This is what he says. He says, instead, what I want you to do is I want you to first seek his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. That if you do that, then all of these other things that are competing for your devotion, all of these other things that are competing for our attention, those things will find their proper place in our life. And then, according to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, we can know this to be true, that we would not be anxious about anything, but that in every situation, through prayer, through petition, and with thanksgiving, we would be able to present our request to God. And that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would guard our hearts, would guard our minds in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you want something to think about, to dwell on, to put your mind to, it ought to be the things that are true and noble and right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy. So seek first those things. But as long as my first response is, what's going to happen to my finances? What's going to happen to my job or my kids? Then guess what? I'm going to worry. But if my first response is to seek his kingdom first, then we can honestly pray how Jesus instructed us to pray. May your kingdom come. And may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven It may not happen exactly how you wanted it, but God is going to take care of it. As we talked about last week, make the first thing first. 
Make the first thing first. Say, God, today I surrender my retirement to you. God, today I surrender my future and my children and my children's children. And God, I want to stand in contrast to a world of godlessness. See, someone who's not worrying, someone who is at peace today in this world, in this new reality that we live in, that person is countercultural to the world. And I don't know about you, but I want to show a beauty of who God is as he governs my heart, as he governs my mind in this life. So that when people ask, why aren't you worried senseless? Why are you so at peace with everything that's going on? It's because I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he gives this summary statement. And he says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. And we're going to close our time now in prayer. And my prayer for you is that, that you would experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that you would be a people not of worry, but of trust. Let's pray.